Marini's Media. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Canberry can't stop the drop as Rangers share the points with St Johnston. Livy manager Gary Holt pops up audibly for a chat. And the most mental of turnarounds happened between Kilmarnock and Aberdeen on Wednesday. The magic of the cup is back. Plus, the SFAC red. Red! Everything is Red! I'm Andrew Slavin, I'm not having a breakdown But joining me, he may have some crazy ideas But his tactical scribblings will one day be hung in the Scottish National Gallery It's JJ Bull from The Telegraph Hello, that would be really nice if they were good enough for anyone to actually like <laughs> I like them I like doing, I like doing them Good yeah. And the man who can speak more languages than JJ and I put together Which frankly is more than one From AFP, it's Kieran Canning Hello Come on, give me a hello in a, another language Bonsoir very nice, very nice. Uh, how many language? <laughs> how many languages can you speak? Uh, well, it depends whether you count English or not. Well, French count English. That was a joke about my level of English. But uh, we're really on fire today. The tumbleweed, so <laughs> the tumbleweed is flying around the studio. <laughs> um, let's kick things off with um, the interesting story with uh, James Keatings. It was a Moorish semi-final between Inverness Cali Thistle and Rangers Colts, and I say that because it's the Tonics Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup. And um, James Keatings was shown a second yellow card for simulation and is set to miss the cup final. Cali Thistle have appealed this sending off, but the SFA have ruled with the referee's original decision and Thistle failed to overturn it. Keatings is still missing the final, so Inverness released a statement which includes the phrase, the decision is plainly wrong and the dogs in the street know this, which was one of my favourites. And Cali Thistle are right. There's clear contact on Keatings by Kieran Dixon. And come the weekend, it was revealed that the outcome has been rendered invalid after one member of the three-man panel did not consider all of the available evidence. And so they're going to... I.e. couldn't be arsed watching it. Uh, which is crazy, right? But they're going to see if this time they can come out with the right decision. Um, so the question is, do you have much faith in our judiciary? Do... No, I have, <laughs> and I haven't for like ever. I was trying to say judiciary that's, that's, system. You were, yeah. That's um, the worry of it is right. If they just couldn't be bothered or just didn't want to watch this, like it's not even one of those things where it's like debatable. You know, there's some things where you can think, I see it like this. Yeah. It's not even one of those. It's it looks, shocking. What the most worrying thing I would say about it is, as bad as it is, that one of the panel couldn't even bother to watch the video and see that it wasn't dive and has like basically admitted that. It still took another one of the panel to decide that it wasn't. So there was, t- there was two that voted to say yeah. it, it was a dive. Yeah. And this and wouldn't, that would have happened if like Gary Lineker hadn't come in and retweeted it and got attention for it. I mean, maybe well, it's well, really I, clever I, PR. By the, I don't know, <laughs> because if you, looked, if, you, if you read the, the Inverness Cal- Cali Thistle statement, which I think was excellent, yeah, it was, it was yeah. a good read, you can't really deny it. And the fact that, you know, I, I can totally understand that the referee's view might have been obstructed and it's came to that decision on the field. Yeah. But off the field, you just, it is, like you said, it's obvious there is contact. It's, there's no booking. It's, it's just ridiculous. I don't even, I, I would, is it a foul? Uh, no, but it's not a dive and that's yeah, yeah. important. I would say probably a foul, but uh, yeah, it could go either way in that. But it's definitely not a dive. Yeah, it's definitely not a, a booking that, that gets you out of a final because you're suspended. It's ludicrous. And the worry is that what else have they missed th- either through incompetence and uh, what decisions have not been made because of something else? Well, wow. we've already... Conspiracy <laughs> JJ in the corner. <laughs> no tinfoil hats, My please. We're not having that. Conspiracy JJ is all doubting... <laughs> well enough of the tinfoil hats let's get to the football and coming up in the show we've got an exclusive interview with Gary Holt you're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power let's kick things off with St Johnson's draw with Rangers as Gerard side drop points again away from home leaving them 12 points off Celtic thanks to the one and only Stevie May Wotherspoon's corner. It's Stevie May! And it's two apiece! The reborn St Johnston striker putting all his troubles behind him. What's your guys' thoughts on this one? Rangers dropping 
dropping points again. 10 now since coming back from the winter break. But how much credit does St Johnston take for bringing this game to Rangers? Because they made the better start. Yeah, they got off to a perfect start with the, the opening goal so early. St Johnston have been on a good run. I mean, it's amazing given where they were at the start of the season now that they probably still won't get there. They'll run out of time, but they're now challenging for the top six. But both of their goals, particularly the first one, have a huge amount to do with Rangers defending, which was pretty awful. I mean, Katic in particular, I mean, if he probably best sums up what has happened to Rangers pre and post break because they go into the break, he scores the winning goal at Celtic Park, and I was he did the sort of press conference after that game. And he was getting questions about, you know, could he see himself forcing himself into the Croatian national squad for the Euros? And, you know, he's really seen as being a really up and coming prospect. And since they've come back, he's been pretty disastrous. I mean, he was mm-hmm. dropped for Edmondson for a couple of games. Edmondson then had a a bad game against Hamilton, I think it was. In yeah, the cup. It was. So he came back into the team. Apparently, Gerard, and well, he did say in his post match comments yesterday that he was. He didn't name Katic, but he was saying how he was thinking about making a sub very early in the game, but that would be a massive blow to someone's confidence. You know, he, he didn't mm. want to say, I was going to take off Katic, but Edmonton was the player warming up, so you have to think that, that Katic was the one that was going to come off. And it, yeah, it, it sort of sums up the way that Rangers have been since the break. The, the Both ends of the field, Morelos is off form, Kent is off form, and they're making these defensive mistakes that, that even when they get goals and Hadji tipped in midweek, Aribo's got a couple recently, Canberry has has been has made a decent impact. They're making so many defensive errors that it's, it's cancelling out any good work they do going forward. But it does seem to be just a simple ball over the top that's that's catching them out, which was actually similar to the, it was a very similar goal that Hamilton scored yep. um against Rangers that, that Callum Hendry scored apart from the finish but I, I, I highlighted that in the podcast um, after the Hamilton game but is it is it just is it fair to just single out Katic I know he did have a, a bad game but Goldson hasn't been good either and I know the fact that, that you know Tavernier's only kind of just back into the squad and you know not having Barisic who's been massive for Rangers this season it, it seems to be something that's been neglected for a while just that you know why aren't Rangers working on the mistakes at the back I mean they are working on it but you can't it's, you can't really coach Katic not to do that stupid thing like no why is he putting it in the air but it's, it's two things it's one to, to put it in the air like it does and then kind of fall over himself because he yeah. falls over himself that then gives Hendry the time to chest it down and get the finish away but on top of that you look at the likes of um, Goldson and Andy Halliday who are working back and they both kind of just stay in line with each other almost maybe expecting for the cutback but that commu- that lack of communication for someone to go straight for the goal line, and one to stay, do you mean just the, doesn't seem to be there on Henry's goal. Yeah, they don't they don't do anything wrong. They, they're, they're exactly in line where they should be. Like, cause do you not think one should have been heading for like to try and stop the ball on the line though, or no. too far away? No, you, you got. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Like that's you have to. That's at the near post. McGregor's got that covered. That should be McGregor save. It's a good finish that beats him. It's a very good finish. I think Cattage. The, the, the first error is that. There's no error in the press. The ball gets headed on. It's just a ball that goes on in behind. Cadge uh, <laughs> boots it in the air and then sort of falls over himself. Hendry runs through. And then you've got Goldson covering the... Basically, he's blocking the penalty spot, which is where the, the next run would be. And then you've got um, whoever's alongside... Or is it Jack even? I can't remember. They're basically, they're blocking about 12 yards out because if the cutback goes, they've got it covered. They're, they're in a good shape. Like, but it's, and they're reacting to it as well. The it's, other thing about Katic and Jordan from the Athletic who we've had on before has been sort of pointing this out the past few weeks that one of Rangers' major problems at the moment is not just their centre-backs defending, it's also their build-up from the back is really poor. Like, teams are aware that, that Katic and Goldson aren't going to hurt them with the ball, so they're able to sort of sit off and press other better ball players, like if the ball comes in, if Kamara's playing, or Davis, yeah. or... Uh, Arfield or it's confidence Kent as well, right? When you're trying to play it from the back, yeah. you have to trust your touch. And the Katic and Goldson often end up just sort of passing the ball to each other or give it away, which allows the sort of counter attacks that they're then suffering and, and conceding goals. And, and that's going into what's going to be a massive week for them because now it looks like the league is gone. They've got Braga away on on Wednesday night, and as much of them as a brilliant comeback in the last last half an hour. And, I wonder if that's almost more frustrating from Rangers fans' point of view that you can see 
could see that team is still in there that was there in the, the opening part of the season and, and that last half an hour. But the number of chances they gave away against Braga and the form Braga mm-hmm. have been in, it's still very hard to call in terms of who's going to go through. And then they go to, to Hearts in the Cup next weekend where they haven't won twice this season and now you would think the, the Scottish Cup's the last realistic chance of a trophy. We should focus on St. Johnson as well here because, say, yeah. you know, albeit Canberra, Canberra came on in the second half and changed things for Rangers and they go 2-1 up. Canberra with a really good finish. Off his shin, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I think he's, he's um, became goal provider as well for, for Joe Aribo. And then St. Johnston get back into it through Stevie May. And um, they ne- it was a never-say-die never attitude that we kind of suspect from, from Tommy Wright's side. I mean, and they deserve the plaudits. It's, it's exactly what we thought you'd, they would do and what they're doing against most games. Like, Rangers had they dominated the ball. They had 69% possession, I think it was. In fact, it is. I've got it in front of me. And then, so they had all, all the possession. They had way more shots than Johnson. But Johnson sat, made like made the space tight, pushed the ball wide, and then there's nothing much that Rangers can do about it. Like Ryan Kent is without a league assist in 12 months. I think it is now. It's just they're not. Yeah, he's he's not. He, it, it seven million, baby. seven million pounds, and that's what they're getting back for it. It's not good. Enough. But St Johnson's game plan, like contain and frustrate and counter. Just when it works, you take advantage of your. Of the things, of the chances you get, that's how you get, get the, points. The only thing I would say, though, obviously in this game, that's how they played because they're playing Rangers. Yeah, but they have been a bit more progressive, I would say, this mm-hmm. year, and, and how it's turned around. And they've had a, a big change in terms of the age profile of the squad, and that's why why it took them longer to kind of get into their stride Definitely. this season. But Tommy Wright was saying yesterday that on paper he thinks this is the best squad, talent wise, that he's had there, and that because a lot of them are young. Yeah, it's maybe it's maybe taking a bit a bit of time, but this also is a squad without Matty Kennedy. Who exactly, they just lost. And, but like someone like Stevie May, who it just didn't really happen for him at all. Aberdeen has now scored four goals in the last five games, so mm-hmm. he's getting back. He is back. Cl- well, closer <laughs> to the player that he was at Johnson the first time round, and that's what they needed. They need. I mean, Hendry's chipped in with quite a few goals recently as well. But that that goal threat, because the way that Tommy Wright sets his team up. Normally he can he can drill them well enough that although they had their defensive problems at the start of the season that they're going to be well organised and disciplined and, and hard to beat. But having that goal threat at the other end of the field has has been the big change. There were some massive performances from St Johnston like Stevie May, but also you know Jason Kerr, young captain for St Johnston was colossal in the first half. He got caught out by Canberra in the second, but mistakes are to be expected from young players. But even Xander Clark showed that. You know, he can be a good goalkeeper. He's been suspect this season. But that's what St Johnston need to do. And the fact that they're even within touching distance of the top six is amazing compared to what their form was at the top of the... Well, at the start of the campaign. Well, yeah, and I mean, Tommy Wright was going on about this as well, that he he thinks they should have had four more points in, in the past few weeks in the they conceded late goals to, to Ross County and, and Hearts and games which they, they dominated. So, I mean, if they had those extra four points, to be a point outside the top six. So as I said at the start, I think that run um, has possibly come a little bit too late for the top six, but they're uh, but they're more uncomfortable now in terms of staying up. Yeah, I like that uh, Wright changes it about a bit. Like, they'll try and play nice football one week and then they'll, when they need to throw it up top and battle for it they do that as well he says he doesn't mind being pragmatic with it it was a good interview with him on Sky Sports actually before the before the game should just mention Callum Hendry again because I quite like the fact that Colin Hendry's his dad and he won a treble at, at Rangers his dad's Colin Hendry yeah yeah did you not know that I didn't know that yeah <laughs> after a humdinger of a match on Wednesday in the Scottish Cup it seems the Dons were wiped out after this happened no it's offside Billy Mackay just whips the ball past Joe Lewis he, again he looked to be he might have just timed his run that which the commentary failed to say was Ross County's winner 2-1 winners in fact and Aberdeen have now slipped back into fourth place but let's focus on the Staggies what have you made of Ross County this season or, or of late really because Billy Mackay seems to be the reason for their resurgence, JJ. Well, I mean, they concede so many. <laughs> that it's, <laughs> it's kind of important that they score. What have they let in the season? I think it, uh, 55 they've let in, which is pretty nuts. They've only scored 28. 
Uh, for a goal difference of minus 27, if you are so inclined. Maths fans. Uh, yeah, maths fans everywhere rejoice. Uh, Mackay, I mean, he was he was obviously like a good goal scorer when he was at Cali and has done the business this season for Ross County. But I, just, I don't know what to make of Ross County. I don't know if they're good or not. I, just, I can't tell. I've seen them play a few times. I still don't know. The, the one thing I would say about Ross County in terms of staying in the league, no. 10 points ahead of Hearts and 8 ahead of Hamilton that is nuts isn't it they (laughs) do yeah exactly they do pick up these odd wins that just you know keep their head above the the parapet you know to to beat Livingston a couple of weeks ago they they should now I imagine with that gap have enough to to sort of see it out and Mm -hmm. and not be dragged in there's a slight chance I suppose if uh, Hearts went a really good run that they could be dragged into the the playoff but um, yeah, they just take they take advantage of situations like at the at the weekend, the red card, Aberdeen. Would, if you compare, for example, that to to Hamilton playing almost the same amount of time at home against Motherwell with the ten men and not taking advantage, yeah, you know, that's just the slight difference that and some and someone like Bill McKay who is a goal scorer yeah. just to, just does enough to get them out of, out of problem. The thing is, they didn't really <laughs> they were down like they were against ten men for most of the match, but they didn't really attack all game. I think the Billy McKay's first goal, I think, was their second the shot of the first entire goal game. Too, it was a brilliant finish. Oh yeah, it, it, when, as soon as it when it goes, so the ball comes in, it's hooked in from the left, and uh, Billy McKay heads it back the way, but it sort of curls around in the corner. It's, it, it looks like it's going wide. Oh, yeah. One concern I would have uh, of both Billy McKay, I mean, both of them are very good finishes. But you know the prospect of Scott McKenna going up against Erling Haaland in a few weeks' time. It's all over the place just now. It's positioning and it just switches off now and again. And the second goal, I think, is pretty much his fault as well. It's a great pass to put McKay in mm. the second goal. Great movement as well. He does yeah. time his run to perfection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel sorry for the commentator. Well, that's, yeah. that's offside. And then, well, uh, and then the co-com kind of goes. I, I think he's just yeah, yeah. I think he's just timed his run perfectly. So uh, they're pretty. They're pretty good at being neutral. Those boys on red TV. That's the red TV commentary that when uh, Dave McDermott did. Thing it. is though, the, the four goals for Mackay in February. It's 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 pretty good reading. He had that kind of gap. I think he scored in the the opening game for for Ross County. I can't remember, but you know, Mackay's doing well. But does Derek McInnes have a fair shout of a? Uh, you know, saying that Aberdeen have played so many minutes that his team was knackered, compounded by the fact that Dean Campbell got sent off as I mean, well. It, in the it game. is quite normal to be a bit tired after playing 120 minutes, and it was pretty exciting. Yeah, but also, it's to put too fine a point on it, it's kind of their own fault that they had to play so many minutes. Yeah. Like, they didn't beat <laughs> yeah. come up. Like, if you don't want to be forced to go to a replay or play extra time, then win the first game in 90 minutes. I, I don't think there was much that you could complain about in terms of the. The scheduling of the games is pretty normal to, you know, games get moved to Sunday for the TV. It was just the fact that they'd played three times since since uh, Ross County last played. But yeah, I, mean, I can understand that also, the players I mean, are narcos. The, the players, um, let me get this right, he rotated the team a little bit for for the Killy game. Like Matty Kennedy started, Bryson started, McGee started. And they weren't in the game on the weekend against Ross County. But he also changed the system. We went back to a 4-4-2, which I don't think has ever worked. Under McInnes, it's four four two. Again, from an Aberdeen point of view, JJ, I mean, I'm sort of presuming, but this is maybe presuming too much, that if they get, say, they get past St Mirren, but then lost to one of the Celtic Rangers in the semi final, and yeah. finish third, <laughs> good season, bad season. I think honestly, I think it's a good season. <laughs> uh, the, the problem is, right? They could, I think Aberdeen could conceivably beat Rangers in the semi if they get past St Mirren in the weekend, but a uh, that then doesn't matter if they get to the final or not. They're going to lose to Celtic. <laughs> you can't beat Celtic. No one beats Celtic in the it's cup. Not, certainly not. Right you just now. don't do it. They're just not going to switch off. There's, there's, there's a. They can beat Celtic in the league if Celtic aren't that bothered and they're about 15 points clear at the top and it's all going to be fine. That's about the only time they'll beat it. But they're not going to beat anyone playing it. I don't like that. I don't like the system when it's a four-four-two Aberdeen. It's too reliant on that. They're not booting it forward every single time like they were in, in previous games. They are keeping the ball on the deck a lot more. Taylor's improved like rapidly in the last few months. I think it's been really decent for Aberdeen. But they're not like Ross County barely barely uh, challenged them even when they were down to ten men. This is this is a weird game this one. Like County had their two their two goals. I don't think they really threatened the rest of the time. It's just a weird game that they've ended up losing. Well, it was their first away win since my birthday, the twenty first of September. You can send me cards next next summer. 
All right, that's the biggest results of the weekend dealt with. Up next, Kieran, you're going to be speaking to Gary Hall. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCampbellAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Livingston came from behind to draw 1-1 with Hibs at Easter Road. Christian Dodge opening the scoring for the home side before Aaron Taylor Sinclair equalised six minutes later, leaving Levy in fifth and Hibs in sixth, four and five points off third respectively. The number 11 is important here as Hibs are unbeaten in 11 and Levy have only their 11th point away from home. And if you take the dash out, the score reads 11. But anyway... What? <laughs> Before we speak with Gary Holt, was the draw a fair result? Uh, ish. It's another kind of game that the, they're just two weird teams. Livy are so much better than they should be. Hibs are sort of finding their feet. Like, Doidge scores tappings. Yeah. Like, what are they? I don't. I can't quite tell. I don't know what Hibs are either. No. I'm really confused. We're not. Doing- I don't see. They don't seem to control games, but they're certainly scoring fairly freely. Yeah, I mean, and again, they had the the better chances in the game, or more chances at least. Livingston and when Gary was talking about there, he, he maybe is a bit annoyed that people constantly talk about the home form and and the pitch and stuff. And he was pointing out that they scored more goals away from home than at home, so they do always carry a threat. And I think Hibbs maybe tried to ease off a bit too much after the the one nil, made a few changes, um, and and couldn't see the game out. But yeah, I agree. It's it's hard to to read Hibs. I keep saying that you keep expecting there to be a more consistent. There has been an upward turn since Jack Ross came in, but it's very much one game goods, one game not so goods, mm-hmm. one game goods. You know, and they're another team that I mean, they certainly fancy their chances of holding on to top six now with a, a five point gap over over Kilmarnock and who aren't in great form. But they're another team whose season really now comes down to the cup. I mean, Inverness at home. Although Inverness done very well in the the cups in the last, well, I was going to say the last few years, the last decade, the last fifteen years, a home tie against the championship team, they should be expecting to go through, and then you know they get to the semi finals, and everyone has the same problem with what JJ is talking about of you know someone expecting to just hoping that, that Celtic go out at some stage, but yeah, if they if they get to a cup final, say again, it's probably been a, a positive season or certainly a positive season since Jack Ross came in. One of the interesting points ahead of this game was um, the return of F.A. Ambrose. <laughs> so Livingston have signed F.A. Ambrose, former Hibs and Celtic player. Um, and interestingly, F.A. Ambrose hadn't played a football game for over a year. Why? I, I don't know. I don't think people trust him because he's a bit of a gambler. As in... He gambles on the pitch. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like that crystal clear. <laughs> but yeah, but he's, he's a good player. I actually think it's a good signing for Livingston. Out of interest. What age do you think Effie Ambrose is? 31. Bang on. I would have said like 41. <laughs> really? <laughs> it does feel like he's been around for a long time. I like this, like, the Livy system is like a, it's a very Bielsa-ish, like a 3-3-3-1. Three, 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 it's a, Holt's doing some good stuff there. I'm a, I'm genuinely really impressed by him. I I can't imagine he's going to be around at Livingston. JJ, hold that thought because let's hear from the main man himself. Kieran, you spoke with Gary Holt earlier on today because you're more committed to this podcast than JJ and me. So let's hear from the big man now. So another good weekend for Livingston coming from behind to take a point at Easter Road. Solid solidifies your position in the the top six there, Gary. Yeah, it was. Um... Really pleasing to see the, and I spoke about it after the game, and I spoke to the boys. The, the, the never say die attitude, the, the desire when we went and go behind, because it's a tough place to go, and especially when they got their noses in front, uh, the crowd then get their tails up, the players start having a bit more of a swagger about them. So, 
we could have buckled maybe and lost another quick goal so it was pleasing to see we kind of weathered that storm and then to get a good goal back and we had the chance later on to win it but beforehand you'd probably say would, would you have taken a point yes you would have but we did try to get three but I'm over the moon that we managed to get to get something out of the game you get six point cushion over Kamarnock at the moment, but only four points off off third. So, are you kind of looking down to to make sure you get in the top six, or are you you chasing third place and, and potentially a European place? No, I I always say we we should look above. Always chase the ones above you. Don't worry about what's behind you because if you if you worry too much about the ones behind you, you 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 get nervous in games and you play with the the freedom that we play with. Focus on who's above us and can we catch them and that's at the moment it's Aberdeen and Motherwell so can we catch them who knows but if we keep picking points up we keep believing we can pick points up then the ones bowlers can't catch us so that sole focus is just picking points up to see where we can get to We often talk about the top six as a, as a target before the season starts how, how much of an impact does that have for the club I imagine financially it's a huge boost oh, it's, it's, it's massive but we're we still not even really that bothered by it the sole focus is to stay in the league and then can see where we end up from there, and that's that's the, the the aim of the club is surviving first. It's only the second season in the league uh, for a long time, so um, we want to put things in place. And the work that we put in in pre-season, the work we've done in the, the off-season, the recruitment is certainly bearing fruit. Uh, but we've still got all ten games to go in the season, so let's just concentrate on the next game. You've had success with taking players out of the lower leagues in, in Scotland. Do you feel as if that's a, an untapped market? Because a lot of the, the Scottish Premiership clubs very much look down down the leagues in England. Um, I think there is, but it's also with a, 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 kind of a disadvantage to an extent that there's not a great amount of money in Scotland, Scottish football. We want to we keep raising the profile and it is, it is growing, but some players who are playing part-time football have good money coming in for their part-time job of playing football and a full-time employment. So sometimes it's a risk to ask somebody at 23, 24 maybe to come and sign a two-year deal for maybe the same money or maybe a little bit less money to, to have an ambition that they can make it as a long-term professional footballer. And then if it doesn't happen, their two years is up and they might have a mortgage, they might have a wife, they might have kids and they've gave up a stable job. So... You've got to invite people who are willing to take that chance, who believe in themselves that they're good enough to go and do it. And I can't fault people for they say, no, I'm not going to come and sign because I've got too much to lose. But then again, there is a lot of talent out there that you've got to just, you just got to keep digging, you just got to keep looking, you just got to keep seeing and watching and not be not be too big-headed about the fact that, oh, you're a Premier League club, why are we going down to... Non-league football to look for a, a 19, 20 year old boy who's maybe just lost his way when the professional game and then fell out of it because they are very fine. You just got to take the time and effort to do it. Your third, your third best home record in the league. That's that's really been the basis in which this season um, has been so successful. A lot has been made about the fact you've got the the plastic pitch. How much of that is an advantage? But do you also feel that that's been used too much and detracts a bit of the, from the achievement of, of what you've done so far this season? Well, people would use it uh, as an excuse. Um, the only thing on it shouldn't be allowed, shouldn't be there, shouldn't be that. But I've, uh, being in football as long as I've been, see if you give a player a, an excuse before a game starts and then it doesn't get the result they get, they'll use that excuse. Well, Gaffer, you said you didn't like the plastic pitch of the press, so... We get beaten with, well, you don't like it, we don't like it. It's it's just an excuse. The, the, the funny thing for me is we've actually scored more goals away from home than we've scored at home this season. And people keep going on about their home record. Yeah, our home record's good, but every, a lot of teams in the league get really good home records. And our away record is OK. It could be better. We understand that. But we probably play more football away from home, score more goals away from home. But we find that also when you're, a, you're away from home, you're under pressure because the, the home side is when it dictates the play generally. Apart from the old firm, And just a little bit on, on your own future, I mean, do you see yourself being there again at, at Ammonvale next season? Because I imagine that given the success of the past two seasons, you must have, have offers yourself. Um, <laughs> you try to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm, just, I'm just doing my job. I go in every day, I do my work, and I just get the games and so focused on the boys and get the best out of them. It's simple as that. And, I'm very much about the collective and how the the boys do. 
and yeah, it's it's nice when people talk about you and they, they get praise and you like you, you get the manager of the award and but it's it's the collective. You never know when an individual gets all the plaudits. It's it is what you do as a as a team. It gets you the plaudits. You're sitting sixth in the fifth in the league at the moment because of the team. It's not any one individual, but within that they'll have bits of brilliance and they'll have guidance and stuff from the staff, but it's what the team does and we've got a good bunch. Gary Holt there, Livingston manager, speaking with Kieran Canning. What stood out for that for you in that interview, Kieran? Was he? He seems quite an open guy. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about Livingston having the second lowest budget in the league and barely even the second lowest. He said they only just more than one Hamilton. And the, what was interesting is that the the struggles, and he talked about the hardest part of the job is the sort of consistent or constant recruitment you have to be doing at at that level because. As soon as your your players are playing well in the in the, the Premiership, they're and on pretty low wages or on a, a low budget, they're going to be snapped up or get get better offers. So even from last year's team, they lost people like Liam Kelly, Craig Halkett, Declan Gallagher. Given how well they've done this season, there'll almost certainly be be more change again in the summer. So just the the constant hard work that needs to be going on there, and it, and I'm talking about trying to recruit players from part time football in Scotland, and that for some part time footballers. Actually, makes more financial sense to to stay in the the job that they've got, you know, and and play a bit of football on the side rather than than coming and playing full time at Livingston. And speaking of recruitment, it tends to be that when managers start doing the press rounds, <laughs> they are looking for to take advantage of like their heightened uh, what's, what, exposure. Yeah, I did ask him that question, and obviously he's. He gave the he straight passes it, and he's very much concentrating on his on his time at Livingston. But I would be surprised, given how well they've done over the past two seasons, if either teams sort of further up the ladder in Scotland or down in England weren't looking at them. Yeah. Well, up next, Celtic keep on winning. Hey, Kieran, it's great that you've been speaking with the man in charge at Tony Macaroni. Because this week's show is actually sponsored by Pasta Evangelists. Kieran, have you ever had pasta? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Culture. <laughs> Lovely. Well, forget about all the other pastas you've had because you've never had pasta like JJ and I have had pasta. Because Pasta Evangelists are great. And JJ and I have been trying them for size, haven't we? JJ, what pasta did you have this week? Well, Andrew, this week, because um, I had it sent to my house in the fridge, I had... Uh, it just arrived in the fridge? Yeah, <laughs> the whole fridge came to my door. It's a uh, pappardelle with beef shin. Beef which, shin? Yeah. So it's a, ra- a beef shin like ragu, so, it, you know, it's... Nice, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what it was. And you just put it in a pan with water for the pasta, and you put the, the beef shin ragu, not a whole beef shin... Just the ragu stuff. Yeah, the bone doesn't come with it, right? Correct. It goes into a pan, another pan, and then you combine them. Do you know what I had? What? I had the fettuccine with induja sauce, which was amazing. And it's, it's dead simple because you just... I'm pretty sure he you plays put, fullback for Hibs, doesn't he? The induja. <laughs> you put the sauce in the pan, and then you put the pasta in the other pan with the hot water, and then you literally just combine it. And the cool thing was they, they tell you, they actually give you instructions, which are really, really simple, to put some of the pasta water... Into the sauce but to loosen it up a wee bit. That's obvious, Andrew. Isn't well, it? I didn't know that, well. but thank you to Pasta Evangelists. I know now. <laughs> well, the better thing about that is that you listeners can get £10 off your first order with the code SCOTTISH. All you need to do is go to pastaevangelists.com, choose your dishes, and get cooking. That's pastaevangelists.com. Enter the code SCOTTISH, and you too can eat the best pasta. Or if you're in Livingston, you could be eating spaghetti at the Spaghetti Hut. And what's more wonderful than that? Hee haw. Celtic took advantage of Rangers dropping points as they beat Kelly. 3-1 at Celtic Park thanks to goals from Christopher Ayer, Odson Edward and Lee Griffiths. But it was Kelly who surprisingly took the lead through Eamon Brophy's penalty. But really after that, there's only one question and is it that Celtic, are they actually unstoppable? They, they are going to romp to the title. Romp. Yeah. That's another word you would never say outside the studio. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Romp is a media word. Yeah. Would they romp? Do you fancy romping to the pub? Uh, Celtic are romping. The, romping. That's one of those weird words. Sorry. Anyway, sorry, are Kieran. Celtic unbeatable, guys? 
I don't think they're unbeatable. Now they have lost two games in the league this season, but yeah, they are going to. They're just so consistent that yeah. they're going to. They're going to cruise is maybe the uh, mm. when proper writer talk that isn't it if you, if you used romp in the headline we need to find another word further yes. down so they will cruise to the title yeah I think this game is a good illustration of it just because the changes they were able to make and still win very comfortably um, Brown, Forrest and Cham uh, all missed out through injury but in come people like Rogic Griffiths back in from the team that played in the European game yeah. Christie who hasn't been starting in, in recent weeks comes in plays very well so it's just, again where the sort of money's relevant because the yeah. depth they've got it just means you can you can put these players on I, mean, it was interesting. I, mean, I was like the the, the Celtic um, sort of reserve slash academy team was playing against, against Hibs today and they had like El Hamid Klamala Karamoko Dembele Arzani Sorrow like all like you know, these guys playing in it it was like how many actual premiership teams would, would this team be able to beat you know, yeah it was like the the, the difference in and finances and just that strength and depth. And I think coming back to what we were talking about with Aberdeen and the the tiredness from the game in midweek, you could really see that with Kelly too. They, mm-hmm. they actually started pretty well, not just with the, the goal that they got, but they had another chance early on, but then just completely ran out of steam. And the one thing that sticks out for me as well is just the amount of goals around the, the, the pitch as well. And the, the likes of... Jozo Simunovic, okay, he may have made a mistake for the for the the leading into the penalty, but then like romping up the the pitch to get an assist for Edward, and also Christopher Ayer scoring goals. So your centre halves are involved in the goal making as well for Celtic, and it just shows that they can score from anywhere or from you, from I, anyone. Ayer is basically like I mean he'll be in the English Premier League for too long. He's he's brilliant. Maybe at Leicester. And Odson Edward will definitely be a big club really soon. These are they're just massive players. There's not much you can really do about it. Like Kelly's goal, a penalty, right? So that's what they got. Then Powers sent off, and there's no way they're coming back. They had one shot on target all game. Can I just pick up on the the second Celtic goal um, when it's whipped in from um, uh, Taylor, yeah. I think, and uh, Simonovic heads it back, and it kind of you know it's it, it was given to Edward, but it kind of comes off Kurt Broadfoot's face at the end. Broadfoot goes absolutely nuts at Brunescu, Kilmarnock goalkeeper afterwards, and I don't know why. Have you seen it? It's, well, you you it's see it for very, but the thing is, like, I don't in, think Brunescu could have went for it. No, but it's the same way that a goalkeeper, you know, <laughs> goes mental at his defence, like even if there was nothing they could do. But I think it was just Broadfoot. But he goes absolutely yeah. mental. <laughs> but, Broadfoot, but Broadfoot knows that he's he's got the final touch on it, and he's just kind of passing I, the buck. I think he thinks Bernescu should come forward to collect the ball. When he gets headed back across, he should be coming out to get it, but he lets it come across him and it's then so dives d- too late. such a deep cross, though. The, the one no, thing not not like... the cross, the header back. The header back. Ah, I see. So the ball comes across him, you can't come for that. The header back in, he absolutely should be diving out, but he lets it go across him and then it's too late. It's like he doesn't realise that Edward's there. Both both that um, IR goal and then that goal with Simunovic coming forward and the, and the cross coming in, it's kind of a good example of how Celtic have changed over the past year. I think this week it's a it's a year to the day from from Rogers leaving mm-hmm. and Lennon coming in. Given how unconvinced some Celtic fans were of not not so much Lennon getting the job on a temporary basis, but him getting on a full time uh, after the cup final, the job he's done has been been pretty sensational and. The, there's a lot of now comparisons of our Celtic even better now than they were under Rodgers and that that well whether you agree with that or not those type of goals they're very much more direct and so the number of goals they now score from from set pieces as you say the defenders getting involved is much more reminiscent of the the sides that Lennon played in under mm-hmm, Martin mm-hmm, O'Neill mm-hmm. in terms of the the threat that they now carry from that I think you can definitely suggest that Neil Lennon is a bit more flexible than maybe Brendan Rodgers is because even when it wasn't working although Celtic were were excellent in the first half of the season losing to Rangers Lennon then changes it um, after the winter break move, moves to a 3-5-2 and at first they weren't even playing that good football but they were winning comfortably and I think that change from Lennon has galvanised Celtic, has given them something else to hold, to kind of believe in, and they believe in this system. And I think getting the best out of Lee Griffiths and forcing him into the side and getting the best out of him and the partnership with Eduard has, um, is bearing fruit, bringing that one back from another they're podcast just more direct. a while ago. They've just got much better players and they're a bit more direct. Like Rodgers controls the game, keeps the ball, pass, 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 and they have total control of the game. Celtic don't need to have total control of the game with the way the system works. They just want to get the ball into their forwards 
and, cre- and find space that way. So it's a bit more chaotic, but it, it works really well with better players. One more match to go, and it's Hamilton Motherwell. Nil-nil this ended. Not much to report at New Douglas Park. Motherwell back to third after this, despite going down to 10 men after Christopher Long was sent off for two yellow cards in six minutes. He's actually apologised to players, I think. um, Is everyone getting sent off this weekend? Yeah, I know. But, I mean, if you look at this red card, he's clearly frustrated at something and it's just a little bit of madness and quite rightly he's he's apologised to his team well you see how Neymar got sent off for PSG the other night and uh, it just coincided <laughs> I, with the Brazilian yeah, I was say, he's, just, he's suggesting that yeah, he's off to Carnival uh, Alan Power and Chris Long are off to the Carnival <laughs> <laughs> Dean Campbell's coming along for the podcast ride. title but this is a this was a bit of a I say bet. This was a big miss for Aki's to put some serious pressure on Hearts, whose game with St Mirren was cancelled. Maybe, but nil-nil with Motherwell is decent. They're higher up the pit, like, higher up the table, well, I should say. Yeah, but given the circumstances of playing a home game against 10 men for that long. Sure, but then, it, I mean, if you're looking at it strategically, if you look at the Motherwell coming to uh, Nicholas Park, you'd be thinking, I'll take a point with this. So we can come away with a point regardless yeah. of the situation. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can set it up so that you can get the three but they've come away with a point which is really important they're going to do it again aren't they they're going to finish 10th yeah I think it's so it's happening um, what about Motherwell no win in 6 now and Stephen Robinson even believes that this was a massive point for them well when you've got 10 men of course it is. and Probably the problem is, is yeah. like when you get into this stage of the season we're 10 games away from the league being over yeah. and uh, third place is what Motherwell are going for and you see it with like with Rangers have faltered a little bit after the break, lost a bit of rhythm maybe, but also the pressure of staying up there changes the way you you're not as, as easy and free flowing as maybe you were early in the season. There was loads to happen. Now everything kind of matters, and I wonder if that plays into some players who won't suddenly do a thing they were doing earlier in the season. Also, other teams have worked each other out by now. They've scouted them a lot. Yeah. They know what to tell their players, what to look for. So there'll be little nuances that you can I take I think that's of. one thing that, because of the sort of repetitive nature of Scottish football, maybe gets overlooked a bit. Because the teams play, if they finish in the same half of the table, will finish and yeah. play each other four times in the league. Plus, they'll quite often play each other in the cup competitions as well. So like Aberdeen and Kilmarnock now, if Kilmarnock were finished top six, we know they've played each other six times this season. You know, so the teams are very well aware of, of what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, well, it's just errors that, that change the games, right? It's, it's just mistakes. But we should, we should remember that Livingston are four points or five points away from third and Hibs only six as well, I think. But anyway, that's the weekend action dealt with. Time to have a word with our good friend Lee Price of Paddy Power. Lee, let's get straight to it. Who's finishing third in the Scottish Premiership? I want to say Motherwell. They're all so lovely. They're underdogs. They've got the sexiest kit in Scotland. But the odds say otherwise. Still, the numbers aren't the ones doing this slot, are they? So let's say this. Motherwell are 11 to 10 in the betting about the old firm, which is pretty good going. But they are admittedly behind Aberdeen, who are now five to six shots. Boo hiss. Boo hiss indeed. Elsewhere, we've mentioned the Europa League last week. You said it was about 1.67 to 1 that both Celtic and Rangers make it through to the last 16. Have the first leg results changed that in any way? Well, bearing in mind what it looked like being at one stage of the first legs, the Glasgow Giants are sitting pretty. It's now more likely that both teams go through with odds of evens that it happens. Let's start the tricky bit, Rangers. Their form doesn't scream bet on me which is probably why they're 3-1 to one to win at Braga. However, they're still odds-on to qualify at 4-5, which is marginally ahead of their hosts, who are evens to go through. That one is very, very, very close. The Celtic tie, somewhat different. They are 2-5 to five to win on the night, and the hoops are 1-7 to seven to go through against Copenhagen. It's the Scottish Cup quarter-finals this weekend, and I don't think there'll be any upsets, sadly. Um, so what can I get on an accumulator on wins for Celtic, Rangers, Hibs and Aberdeen. And out of interest, what would it pay if St Johnston, Hearts, St Cali Thistle and St Mirren all produced shocks? <laughs> Crikey. Right, I hope you like a long list of numbers. You're correct, the four teams you should pick out are all favourites to win their respective matches and only Aberdeen aren't odds-on, with their visit to St Mirren the most evenly poised tie. But back in the four favourites this weekend gives you odds of just over 5-1. to one which isn't bad, especially when you consider that Paddy Power have an Acker insurance offer when one leg of your fourfold lets you down. But it sounds less generous when you compare it to the odds of the four underdogs winning, as you might expect. Helped by St Johnson, who are the longest price of this round, 8-1 to beat Celtic at home. 
you get a combined price of 818 to 1. Crikey. We mentioned it just then with Lee Price, but it's the Scottish Cup quarterfinals coming up. Friday night sees Hibs host Inverness Cali Thistle. Saturday has Rangers away to Hearts and St Mirren against Aberdeen. Whilst on Sunday has St Johnston versus Celtic and St Johnston tried to do the old firm double of sorts. Yeah, I mean, I'm not tipping St Johnston to win this game necessarily, but I do think that when JJ was talking earlier about Team, like everyone's kind of waiting for Celtic to stumble at some point in a cup competition. This has the poss- possibility for it to happen just on things like the pitch isn't in great nick because we saw yesterday Celtic were a big game on Thursday night. There's just the slightest chance that they take their foot off the gas a little I, bit. I don't know. I've said they'll never lose in the cup, but I also there's something about it. Like the Celtic players might be, ah, oh, this is easy. We've coasted the league now. This is only St Johnston. They'll be fine. They'd be laughing like how they managed to um, get uh, points off Rangers. Maybe that'll be something that plays into it. St Johnston a bit of momentum. They're gonna defend. If just something goes their way, see a red card. Exactly. It's just something. But there's like the, I mean, Tommy Wright was saying this yesterday as well about how he believes that um, you know, at some point all things come to an end. So they just have to believe that this is going to be the time when when things don't go for Celtic. And yeah, exactly. it can be a and deflection. A most likely, right? It's more likely in a semi final. It feels bigger. So yes. Yeah. And, and just what we're saying about in terms of it coming after a European game. I mean, it could be that the semi-finals come after a European game as well if, if Celtic yeah. go very well. But it's more likely that by the time the semi-finals come around, they are out of Europe and of the League One. So there's, it's more of a priority than it will be this weekend. My opinion on it might also be uh, influenced by me just wanting it not to be Celtic or Rangers who win this cup. <laughs> Are you picking any other ties out of that one, Gigi? Uh, St Mirren and I first Aberdeen on a Saturday night is going to be really good fun. Hearts Rangers is very interesting because you tend to get teams who are struggling in the league who just manage to pull off something magical in the cup. These sort of weird things happen. They've done them before. Also, don't forget we've got Europa League action this week as well. Um, Rangers playing on Wednesday, Celtic playing on Thursday evening. What are your thoughts on these games? Do Rangers have a chance? Do Celtic have a chance? I think Celtic should go through. I'd be very surprised if Celtic didn't go through, both based on what we've said about them, but also Copenhagen struggling badly. Away goal as well is really important. Yeah, uh, I mean, Celtic should have kind of put the game the to tie, bed in the first half. Yeah, uh, to bed in, and at least in the first half in Copenhagen, Copenhagen were much better in the second half. Uh, Rangers, I feel that they might not have enough just based off how well Braga have been playing recently, um, but that comeback gives them a chance and for all that they've been struggling maybe this will be be a release and we've seen Rangers in the past few weeks they, they do struggle against teams that, that close up and defend against them mm-hmm. but now they're in the role of being able to be the team that can counter-attack that might actually favour them more than, than having to try and break down yeah. low-block teams I think that they might actually be okay Rangers here but I think that the away goals are going to really it, like this is a classic kind of thing that always happens to you in football manager <laughs> where you manage to get the result and then in the last minute they score and there's just no way you can come back from it Kieran do you have anything on the, the status of our coefficient yeah so because we love the coefficient we do basically if Celtic Rangers go through we should have it also, it also depends on kind of other results and which teams in which countries go through, etc. Applewell for Cyprus, Ap- basically. But, but the fact that Applewell got thrashed and yeah. uh, Arsenal won away against Olympiacos um, helps us as well. So for the 2021, no, sorry, 21-22 season, mm-hmm. so not this summer coming, but the following one, Scotland could be back up to two Champions League places and quite significantly the champions going straight in at the playoff round. So only one ah, qualifier. Right, so, yeah. And a we'll one play off in like first qualifying round. Would, that be, would it be so? So, the Celt- so Celtic say they won it. They would be first. They would be playoff round. They would have. Just, they would only have two no, games no, to no, play. Yeah, they only have one one tie to yeah. get in. And then Rangers were second. They'd be on like first qualifying round, something like that. Yeah, and because recently Celtic have had to play effectively eight games to get four, four but, ties. Yeah, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't just help Celtic and Rangers in terms of almost everyone then skips on a, a qualifying round. Yeah. So even the teams that finish in either via the cup or finish in third and fourth um, would have fewer games to potentially get to a group stage. Also, bear in mind, we should have the um, Europa Conference League at that point as well. That'll be interesting. 
<laughs> Bizarrely. Basically, I think I think Europa League then moves to a straight into group stage, doesn't it? But, if you qualify, it's group stage. But it's also it, it reduces the Europa League. So at the moment, the it just Europa, goes to the last thirty two. The Europa League, but the Europa League is a forty eight team group stage, and ah, then right. it goes into um, last thirty two. Whereas it reduces the size of the Europa League to pretty much mirror the Champions League. So it's thirty two. 32, 32, and then I think 32 as well for the conference. But we could have more Scottish teams in Europe. Cool. Exciting. But just time now to let you know about our live shows that are coming up. JJ, you excited? Yeah. (laughs) That was so childish. Yeah, yeah, I really am. Well, I really hope hope people enjoy them, but they will, and you can come along. So we're we're playing, um, we're doing two live podcasts. Uh, me and Slavin and uh, Gordon Strachan. <laughs> yeah, me and JJ are going to be with Gordon Strachan. He's just part. He's going to teach us football. Yeah, part of the show, and uh, we're just going to be talking about all the football stuff at the Glasgow Glee Club on the twenty fourth of March. And then we're at the Lemon Tree in yeah. Aberdeen the following night. Yes, yeah, so the twenty fifth of March, and you can get tickets if you um, Google it <laughs> <laughs> or go to the totally. Go to the totallyfootballshow.com yeah, uh, forward slash events. That's better than Googling it, yeah. And um, bear in mind, this this will be in a week that's a massive week for Scotland because they'll play Israel. So it's even better we've got Gordon Strack in there being a former Scotland manager. It's going to be really exciting. Me and JJ are working really hard to put the show together. We're going to ask some questions like... How does it feel? feel? (laughs) Do join us. It's going to be a great, great laugh. You'll probably meet some of my family. Uh, But there you go. Wow. I'll buy a ticket to that now. (laughs) My friend is really excited to meet you. Is that right? Yeah. That's really nice. He really likes you. Oh, that's good. I suspect Strachan's going to look you up and down and go, see, this is why I was talking about Scottish players being genetically inferior. Because I'm five foot six. I think he'll, he'll look us up and down into sigh and stare at the ground. Well, anyway, just make sure you go to the totallyfootballshow.com forward slash events to get tickets. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you, JJ. Thanks to Kieran. Thanks. Special thanks to uh, the Little Kicks as well for our tune, especially Gary Holt for giving us his time. Don't forget, super producer Abby, who looks after us and makes sure that we don't say anything stupid. And finally, thanks to you for listening. We don't have a show if we don't have you, so we'll see you next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Join Ruby Walsh, Paddy Power, Tom Nugent and a whole host of great guests each week on Paddy Power's racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth. From the Horse's Mouth. From the mouth of a horse. From the mule's muzzle. From the pony's trap. From the cob's gob. You get the picture. From the Horse's Mouth. New episodes every Friday. Muddy Knees Media.